0: The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com.
1: Welcome to episode 90 of YoMTG Taps. I'm Big Head Joe. Today's episode is a little mishmash of my experiences in, um, in Charlotte for the Invitational. First, I wanted to talk about my experiences on the weekend, and then I wanted to kind of give you a rundown of what you're going to hear after this, and we're going to get into some clips, some skits, if you will. Well, at least one. Um... Most uh, celebrity voices that you will hear are real. Some celebrity voices are impersonated. So, um, last Friday, I don't know, I'm pretty sure I told most of this on taps, but last Friday, I, or I guess at this point, two Fridays ago, I got an email from uh, Steve Sayden saying that I was qualified for the Invitational as a writer, and I guess uh, SCG's definition of writer is pretty broad, because I just talk to my best friend on the phone once a week, uh, which is awesome, you know, Uh, and I'm really glad, and, you know, I mean, we do provide something cool for the community on their site, so obviously I was going to play, so I bought a Greyhound ticket and uh, went down there. Um I know I said last week that I was gonna play Mono Red and Standard and uh, I was gonna play Reanimator in Legacy and uh half of that is true. Um I definitely did play Reanimator in Legacy and I did not play Mono Red and Standard. Um instead I played a it's a rug control build that my buddy Lloyd Frias um has built him. you know, longtime listeners of the show would remember him uh, from one or two episodes, uh, at least that I can remember, uh, there was the reserved list discussion, which was, uh, very heated and fun. Uh, <laughs> and then there was, um, um, when he won the state championship in 2009, we interviewed him, uh, which was really cool for us because, you know, he's an old, uh, friend of ours from grade school and, uh, we randomly reconnected with him one Friday night at Legends in Towson. Uh, so I played Reanimator in Legacy, and it was great because uh, I showed up in Charlotte. I overnighted on the bus Friday night. I arrived six a.m. Saturday morning. Uh, the Greyhound station is a fifteen-minute walk to the convention center, so very easy. Stopped and got some breakfast sat down, pulled out the uh, the Legacy deck I was supposed to play that day that I have never played, and I pulled out the list from, because Joey had his own build of it, and I pulled out the list that was second place uh, in St. Louis a couple weeks ago, and tried to recreate that list as close as I could um, from the cards that I had available to me. So, uh, I have the lists here. Fortunately, I wrote this stuff down. I, I took notes. <laughs> Which means I was taking it at least somewhat seriously, so that's pretty cool. Um, but, uh, unprecedented, I would say. they I even have, like, some of my opponent's names written down on these sheets here and what they were playing. So, you know, you guys are going to get a little bit of a tournament report here. I guess it's unprecedented. Uh, so, Reanimator, the list I played was 4 Polluted Delta, 1 Urborg, Tomb of Yawgmoth, which I did remember to write correctly on my deck list. <laughs> I had thought about it for a sec, because on, on the list here it just says Urborg, and I know it wasn't that Urborg from Legends. Um, so, anyway, let me restart. 4 Polluted Delta, <laughs> 1 Urborg, Tomb of Yawgmoth, 1 Cephalid Colosseum, 2 Swamp, 2 Misty Rainforest 2 verdant Catacomb 4 Underground Sea 2 Island f- so 18 lands um, I think the only difference is that uh, the guy who won second place in St. Louis I guess if I had his name it would be helpful but uh, he ran 6 Basics and I'm only running 4 um, 4 Careful Study 2 Ponder 4 Brainstorm 2 Animate Dead 4 Exhum 4 Reanimate 4 Entomb 4 Force of Will 3 Days one Iona, uh, one Elish Norn, there's a lot of stuff scratched out here, so I'm just trying to make sure I get this right, three Jyn one Platinum Empyrean, one Angel of Despair, three Thoughtseize, and an Imperial Archangel. My sideboard was one Inkwell Leviathan, one Blazing Archon, one Surgical Extraction, um, uh, frankly, because I tried to put the second surgical extraction, uh, a second surgical extraction in the sideboard and, um, it was one of the buy a box promos and, like, it's foil, so, like, it didn't fit in the perfect fit sleeve, right? So, I was like, eh, screw it, I'll play one. Three Echoing Truth, three Spell Pierce, two Duress, and four Show and Tell in the sideboard. So that was my, re- my reanimator list. Um, about... 9.30 in the morning, half hour before the tournament starts, I was like, well, maybe I should at least goldfish this deck once before I play in like the most money tournament I've ever played in in my life. So I shuffled it up. I drew two opening hands that I couldn't keep and went, ah, screw it. I'll draw the good ones in the Invitational. So that was my uh, playtesting for Legacy, which uh, I've heard from... Some people who know better than me that that's the correct amount of playtesting for Legacy. Uh, oh yeah, and also, uh, I found out about 9.30 that Legacy was the first, was the first format of the day, and I thought Standard was first. (laughs) So I was like, wow, okay, well, we're just gonna jump right in with this Reanimator deck then and see how it works. So, round one I played against Blue White Stoneblade. This deck seems really good against that deck, uh, I, I beat him 2-0, and, uh, resolved Iona on white both games, so that was, that went really well, um, round two, I played against Hivemind, and I don't know if, uh, any of you have played against Hivemind, but, uh, I hadn't, <laughs> I mean, I knew the deck existed, and I kind of, and I knew what it did, but, um... I had no idea how to play against this deck and and then didn't really know my deck that well either, so funny story, game two, I guess it's funny um I side in my four show and tells because he had a lot of counter magic, and I'm like, well, or he had a, I, mean, I was anticipating graveyard hate, so I sided in show and tells and uh the only counterspell... Because I, I thought seized him or dressed him at some point. And the only counterspell he had in his hand... Was a force of will. Other than two packed negations, And I was like, oh... Well, I guess I just thought seize away the force of will. So then I, he can't counter my counters... When I try to counter... His hive mind. Yo, dog, I heard you like counters. So I put counters in your counters... So you can counter while you counter. Yeah, and that's a decent enough plan... When you're running counterspells, you know... Take away their counter, so you can definitely win the counter war. He had, like, three mana or something at the time. I was like, well, he's not going to hit six, from based on what I saw in his hand. Um, actually have it written down. It just says, Hivemind, three packs, Brainstorm, was, like, what was left in his hand. Um, so, I take the Force of Will. And then he tries to play... Then he plays a um a grim monolith. I think I may have countered that. And then on my turn, I'm like, well, I know he doesn't have the counter spell. So I told you guys what's in his hand. I play show and tell. And as I'm playing show and tell, I sit there and I like kind of like my whole world slowed down. I was like, oh yeah, it's uh, Zeke and play enchantments, which also, you know, those of you who know the deck know that show and tell is part of their plan. Uh, So not a very smart sideboarding choice on my part. He does obviously play the show and tell. And then on his turn, he goes to play all of his Pacts. And, again, not thinking at all how the deck works, I tried to counter his Pacts, and he was even, or the counter, the pacts that were being copied against me, and then of course he gets a copy of my counter spells, so that doesn't work either. Um, really, really tough, <laughs> really confusing deck to play against. Um, and I, I obviously lost that one due to stupidity and ignorance, which is fine, I, I understand that. Um. So, round three, I played against... Let me just say this, though. All of my opponents, all day, were totally awesome. Uh, everyone I played against was really cordial. I mean, you would think with way more money on the line, people would be real, like, like you know, uptight, dead serious. Um, you know, not really having fun, kind of working. But I had so much fun. I, like, I had so much fun, and never at one at any point in the day, regardless of how frustrating a match might have been. I never at one point felt like like I disliked my opponents or disliked my matches or anything of that nature. I mean, like, it was a lot of fun, um, and everybody was real cool. My coolest opponent was in round three. Uh, I played against Robbie Roth, and I wrote his name down because we exchanged phone numbers, emails, etc. Um, real cool guy. Uh, we were, we were, we were BSing, uh, in the match and, uh, he he accidentally called Evan Irwin, Steve Irwin, which I thought was really funny. And we were making jokes. I was like, crikey, this card is bananas. And apologies to our Australian listeners for how bad I just butchered your accent. Crikey, time reversal's going to be the format warping card of the year. Um, God, that's horrible. I really need to learn how to do an Australian accent um he was okay anyway, Robbie was playing Murfolk, and I destroyed him. I destroyed him really, 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 really bad um which you know it was just really funny because I totally crushed the guy, and it was like, let's go have a cigarette. That was fun, you know, like we were having a good time, like the whole day was just or the whole weekend was so cool, but like. After crushing this kid, you know, like, we exchanged information and, like, became friends. Like, I like this kid a lot. I consider Robbie a friend, you know? Um, you know, caught back up with him frequently over the weekend and hung out with him. He was a cool guy. Um, so then, but anyway, well, Merfolk was a deck, and, like, anything that was, you know, creature-based... Uh, decks. I mean, Merfolk has a better chance of, of beating Reanimator than something like Zoo, for instance. Uh, but um, I was really looking forward to playing as many of those matchups as I possibly could on the day. Because I just knew I could resolve an Elish Norn and win. Uh, so then, round four, I play against Justin, don't know his last name. Uh, he was also playing Fish, and I was very pleased to see another Fish deck. And then I lost very, very badly uh, to him because he had all of the counterspells. Um, and, and good for him, you know. I mean, that was, you know, if I, if I, as, a, as a fish player, you know, I would uh, love to uh, see that many counterspells in a game against a deck like Reanimator. Um, but he, no, he, I mean, he played, he played as tight as he could. He, he got his board position advanced while uh, keeping me off of my plan. Which is what you're supposed to do to win at Magic. Uh, so, so he beat me pretty, pretty handily. Um, but again, cool guy, no complaints. You know, didn't like rub it in my face or anything. He was just a cool dude. Um, round five, I played against Ryan O'Connor. Uh, this is now we're going into standard here, I guess. So I should probably uh, preface that with a little more info. Um, so, the standard deck I played. I'm going to give you the list here of the deck that I played. Um, I really liked, uh, this deck. Um, it's definitely not my play style. Uh, but I liked some of the interactions and there was a specific interaction that, uh, we were really excited about going into the weekend. Um, and I'll explain it here after I go through the list. Uh, but, I, I you know when when Lloyd came over with this deck, I was like, dude, I want to play, I want to play your deck in the Invitational because this deck just looks cool and it looks like a lot of fun. It answers a lot of the things that I wish I could answer. Um, and has a pretty unique unique game plan. Um, so we made a couple small changes, and this is the list that I wound up running. Uh, just like a couple small changes from his original list. Uh, he had vapor snags. Um, and I believe he only had. Three of the four major threats that I put in here, not counting devils, but I'm talking creatures here. Um, so anyway, this rug deck I played was uh, two Disperse, two Dissipate, two Frost Titan, four Mana Leaks, two Ponders, three Snapcaster Mage, three Think Twice, one Ancient Grudge, three Slag Storm, three Gut Shot, four Desperate Ravings, one Devil's Play, one Naturalize, one Batter Skull... Two Noxious Revival, one Worm Coil, and then twenty-five land, seven islands, four mountains, four Hinterland Harbor, four Sulfur Falls, two Copperline Gorge, one Shimmering Grotto, one forest, and two Ghost Quarters. And, and the sideboard was two Tree of Redemption, two Combust, one Flash Freeze, one Witch Bane Orb, Two Phantasmal Image, One Ancient Grudge, Two Surgical Extraction, One Dissipate, One Naturalize, Two Negates. So that was our deck going into the standard portion of the event. Um, The interaction that I was really excited about... Okay, because you know when I was playing the deck... I mean, I didn't test the deck that much, I'll be honest. Um, But the interaction I was really excited about going into the event was the interaction between Desperate Ravings and Noxious Revival. So with Desperate Ravings, obviously you draw two and then discard a card at random. And you don't always want to discard a card at random because sometimes that can be really bad for you. And, um, so then, um, uh, I mean, full disclosure here for, for one of first of several full disclosures in this little intro, um, Noxious Revival is my pet card in this block. Like it's the card that I think is so absolutely underrated that it's criminal. And, uh, been looking for a great excuse to make it work, and uh, it seems like Desperate Ravings uh, is the card that helps Nox Survival uh, work. And The reason why is because like, in a deck that has, first of all, I'm running like four total threats here, two Frost Titans, one Batter Skull, worm, one Worm Coil, uh, and, a Desp- and a Devil's Play to, uh, you know, take out, you know, deal the remainder of the damage. Um... Uh, with with four with anyway basically with four threats not counting the devil's play, you don't really want to pitch one of them to desperate ravings and I and that was one of the problems I kept finding was that I would have a threat in my hand, I wanted to have mana to counter spells, um you know I wanted to make sure I could counter their plan before I established my board my board presence and um, you don't want to cast desperate ravings in those situations because. What if you discard your frost Titan, which is like one of your only threats um, and you're sitting there going what do I, what do I do? What do I do? How do I get them back um, so that's where noxious revival comes in so if you if you have a if you have so anyway, I started thinking about cutting a desperate ravings or two or something from the deck, and then I thought about noxious revivals like well, rather than cutting desperate ravings, I can just add some noxious revivals. And that way, say I'm holding desperate. I mean, other cards, but in my hand I have a Threat and a Noxious Revival, and I cast Desperate Ravings, it really doesn't matter. Uh, because you have Snapcaster Mage, which you can use to flash back the Noxiouses. So if you discard a Noxious Revival, you can just Snapcaster it later if you need it. And that gives you, you know, it gives your threats a little more reach. Um, you know, someone deals with your Frost Titan and you Noxious it back and cast it again the next turn. Eventually they're going to run out of ways to deal with it. You would hope. Um, but then if you discard one of your threats or your, one of your Snapcaster mages, that's the other thing that you could potentially discard that, you know, isn't too fun. Um, then you can just Noxious Revival the threat back. So... That is, I would say, like, of what what I took away from the weekend, um, the most from Standard was, well, one, this deck needs more threats, and two, <clears throat> Noxious Revival and Desperate Ravings together are amazing. So, so that, you know, so I'm still, you know, I want to, I want to build on, on, on this, on what, what, what we built here, um, more, you know, way more credit to Lloyd than to me. I just tweaked the list. Uh, but, um, I think this deck has a lot of promise and I like it going forward. I want to, I want to, you know, I want to tweak it more. I want to keep messing around with the list and see what I can do and see what, you know, bounce some ideas off of Lloyd and see what he can come up with. Um, anyway, uh, moving on to the standard portion, uh, sitting at two, two, uh, and you know, Two two with a deck that I literally had never touched before the event. Um, you know, my my game win percentage with the deck is uh, in the tournament is my lifetime game win percentage with the deck. Two two is not too bad. Um, so and I and I and I liked the the rug deck going into standard. So I was at least somewhat optimistic I could you know, four o the standard and move on to day two. Uh so round five I play against um Ryan O'Connor and he was playing Wolf Run. And uh game one wasn't that close. Game two um got to do some some shenanigans. So uh I mean I finally got to, well here's the thing, like I had the um had the two phantasmal images came in, um, either to copy his primeval Titans or to copy his inevitable thrones. Um, and so he plays a Thrun and I have a snapcaster in hand. So I go, okay, great. Snapcaster, kill your thron, Excellent. That worked how I wanted it to. And then next turn he goes green sun, Zenith for Thrun. I was like, great. So I had to face out another thron, and I did not have the noxious revival. And I did not have the other snap or the other phantasmal image. And by the time I had dug deep enough to get to the noxious revival to get back the phantasmal image, I was at one life. Although I didn't do that bad in terms of being able to stabilize at one life for a couple turns and try to establish something uh, to counter, you know, his plan. Um, But it didn't work out, and he killed me to death. Um, so then I was 2-3, going into round 6. And we knew that there was a chance that some of the better record 2 or X3s could make day 2. So I didn't drop. I was going to play round 6. And frankly, I was going to play all 8 rounds because I wanted to test the deck more. Um, but then here comes the problem. Uh, round 6, I play against... Trey, who was playing and this this is his deck name, he was playing Blue White Snapcaster, right? Because it was a very like strict control deck that was running Snapcaster Mages and White Sun Zenith. So Um Game One goes very long and ends with him winning. And game two, I win. So then we go on to game three, and we have about mm, 10 minutes left, and we're both playing control decks, and this is exactly what I didn't want to do this weekend, was sit through these 55, because it was 55 minutes per round this weekend, and not what I wanted to do at all, was sit through a 55 minute round, which is why I was wanting to play Mono Red. In retrospect... I wish I would have played Mono Red. Not because I didn't like Lloyd's deck, but just because it's more my play style, and it's more what I'm comfortable with. And I think I would have... not necessarily done better, but maybe would have felt better playing in the event with Mono Red. Um, so... Um, playing against him Game 3, and we know, we know for sure that X3-1 is never going to make Day 2. So... Game three is literally 10 minutes of us doing nothing. I must have drawn all three of my think-twices and flashed them all back. Nothing. He's doing whatever the heck it was he was doing over there. Basically nothing. Okay. We're about a minute from time. We have a two-minute extension because, um, I'm such a savage cheater, uh, I passed a turn with eight cards in hand and then desperate ravings end a turn. And he's like, how many, you know, or because we, we were rolling dice to determine which card would randomly go. He's like, how many? And I look at my hand, I'm like, 10, <laughs> how is this possible? I mean, I was joking obviously about being a savage cheater, but yeah, that happened. And so I, you know, judge call on myself, <laughs> bring the judge over. I'm like, dude, I have, 10 cards in hand how (laughs) And he's like, okay, discard one, you know, discard one from your hand immediately or, and then, then do your random discard. So, you know, he gave me a warning. Fair enough. Um, honest mistake, but it happened. Uh, and you know the guy was. And, and again, Trey was so cool. And uh, he's just started up a, a film production company. They've, they, I think, they've done two shorts. It's called uh, Best Part Productions, and you can check them out at bestpartproductions.com, Um So there's a there's a free plug for you, Trey, for being such a cool opponent. Um, and I was a pretty cool opponent too, because we had about a minute left, not counting our two minute extension, and. Knowing that neither one of us was gonna make was gonna do anything if we drew. I set my hand down on my ta- on the table and he's like, What? <laughs> and I look at him, I'm like, what was your deck called again, dude? And he was like, Blue White Snap Catster. And I'm like, Snapcatster? And he's like, Yep, SnapCatster. And I w- and I looked him dead in the eyes and went, you know? There's something I appreciate in this world, it's a good pun good game and gave him the win and <laughs> just extended my hand and conceded to him I was like I'm dropping I'm gonna go have fun enjoy the rest of my day because <laughs> I was so like that match took any desire to play Magic the Gathering that day out of me I didn't I had no interest um so uh so yeah so I finished the day 2-4 not uh not very impressive But, uh, for those of you who are familiar with my tournament successes, not very unexpected. Um, so then I caught up with some people, um, wound up hanging out with the guys from the, the bridge podcast. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that. If you're not, you should be. It's a pretty funny podcast. Um, these guys basically get drunk and hang out and talk about I guess magic. I don't know. I've never listened to their podcast, but I was on it for 3 hours or so uh Saturday night. <laughs> so if you guys want to hear me a little more unfiltered than we are on 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 the uh the second the mothership from another mother, check out the bridge. It's um mtgbridge.com. So, uh, but that was really fun. Uh, Sunday, um, Sunday, I decided we needed to get a podcast episode together. So we, I started recording bits and pieces from, uh, for the podcast for this week, uh, which you're going to hear, um, following this finally, uh, and probably most, uh, topical and relevant, uh, to any discussion that you've had in the last week. Um, We got an interview with StarCityGames.com Invitational Series winner and uh, two-time now SCG Player of the Year, Alex Bertoncini. And and in case you're wondering, yes, I did ask the question. Um, I didn't ask about any specific instances, but I did get a statement from him about the allegations Drew Levin has been making against him. Um, for those of you who are interested in hearing about these allegations, uh, you can check out Ted Knutson's blog, uh, and I don't have it up here, but the link will definitely be in the show notes. So if that's something that interests you to read that, if you haven't already, if you've been living under a rock, um, go read that. With that said, uh, you know, a little full disclosure. um Personally, I consider Alex Bertocciini a friend. Okay, um, so it's it's hard for me to be 100% objective in this in this matter. However, my original intention when I went to college was to study political science and then constitutional law because I was interested in being a judge or a lawyer or something along that of those along those lines. Maybe run for political office. Who knows? I'm really good at public speaking. If you haven't noticed except for all my uhs and uhs, and uh, I'm a little out of practice from college. Um, point is, what I wanted to do with this is just to give him a form, something that I don't think anyone had done up until this point. Now, since then, he's been on the Men of Magic podcast, and he's considering at least writing a rebuttal article uh, to also post on Ted's blog, because Ted, in the, in fairness, offered Alex an opportunity to post a reply. So... Alex's words are his own, and they're not the views of Taps or StarCityGames.com, you know, Uh, but I don't feel it's fair to edit his words and, or to misrepresent what he said to me at the time, Uh, I present it to you and you judge for yourself, Um, what I'm a fan of is the process, okay, I'm not a, I'm not necessarily a fan of the process, but um, I am someone who there's a judicial system in place. I believe in withholding judgment until that judicial system has uh, rendered a verdict. With that said, I'm just going to present the, you know, what I recorded and let you judge for yourself. So anyway, that's all I've got for this week. Uh, we are UMTG taps. Stop bitching. Okay, this is Big Head Joe once again, as always, uh, carrying the Podcaster Five Thousand. And I'm joined by none other than the man with the most amazing Twitter handle in the world, Mark Son. How's it going? Hey, what's going on? Doing all right. Good. So, first of all, I want to thank you in advance for a gift that you're giving me. Do uh, you want to talk about that?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, we were looking at your, e- at your EDH deck and uh, saw that you were missing a foil subterranean hangar. So, I uh, found a Japanese one. It's pretty cheap, so I'll get that shipped out to you as soon as I can. Pretty sick. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Shout out? Huh? No, you don't get a shout out. Go away. Sorry. Sorry.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> And because I said that, I'm not even going to uh, acknowledge what just happened. Um, (laughs) Stick to
0: my guns on this one. Um, So you were qualified for the Invitational, correct? Yep. And how were you qualified? Uh, Scraping out a lot of events. Uh, Some top 30 here and there, and then just, you know, overall just playing a lot, I guess. So just, just playing, showing up and playing grinding those uh, open points yeah for the most part um I, I was having a lot of bad runs in legacy and uh ever since i started doing the whole trading thing with, with uh, medina and everything so i started gaining a lot of extra value over the weekend so i said you know i'll show up on saturday and, and, and sling cards but never never got that far in standard so, so uh how, how did you wind up finishing today um, or yesterday, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, well, actually, I was hoping that I could do either, either 3-1 or 4-0 in, in the legacy portion and maybe squeak by standard, but it uh, turns out I had some pretty bad beats, uh, so I went 2-2 in legacy, and then after my first round in uh, standard, I played a Wolf Run Mirror, so I got, it was pretty close to all three games, and uh, I wound up losing by one infect point. So, oh, And, uh, yeah, so I'm not, I, I, counted my, I counted my lands out. I was like, all right, he's got a blocker. He's got an ink moth for a blocker. I have a ghost quarter. He's got another one. And I have just enough to put him at, at, at 9 in So uh, I, I decided to drop because I thought my breakers were pretty bad. And they're like 52%. So even if I had one out, there was probably not a way that I would have gotten in the top 64. So I decided to play in the Open today. Uh, the Legacy Open. Are you playing the same deck that you played in the Invitational? Yeah, I, I played uh, Green-White Maverick, so um, I probably, like, I tried the Punishing Fire version that, that Jerry was playing, like a, a similar uh, build of that, and I just, I, I had a lot of mana issues with that deck, and um, Punishing Fire wasn't always the right call against the field, so I decided to just go straight Green-White, and it turns out uh, not, not that great against Stoneblade and decks like that, so they have, uh, you know, Plains Walkers, they, they have, if they protect their Forges, they still get the batter skull in the play. It's still a really rough time, and uh, I wound up losing today to, lost to Ant, I just had no outs and um, lost to black white and then blue white stone blade so he uh he took me to game three and um there was he sideboarded into wrath of gods and drew both ralph right stopped so and he like you know he did like the uh, oh i hope i draw wrath of god oh got gotcha i mean even he, he even punted with uh, i had to run and play with the caracus i bounced my throne the first time and like he like looked at his hand and was like i have a, i have an untapped wasteland like i'm stupid So, but the next turn he drew another one, so he got me. But, yeah, it was pretty rough. Um, I just had an issue with playing blue decks because in my local metagame, when I play blue decks, I mean, everyone starts taking out their chokes, starts taking out their thruns, their blood moons, whatever they can. So, maybe not a great choice for Star City games.
1: (laughs) Um, And my my roommate's a big fan of the Maverick deck. Um, Is it... so are there, are there things that you think could be different about the deck, things that you could, could improve on, or is, is there something in particular
0: you like or dislike about the deck? Um, I, I like the deck because it's a, it's a good mid-range, mid-range deck that, that originally took advantage of Stoneforge. So you get the like, having equipment in play and Legacy is pretty important because you turn all of your, all your dorks, all your, your noble hierarchs, your dry arbor into actual real threats. Uh, but I like the deck because it's supposed to have a good blue matchup, and I'm kind of questioning that a little bit now, but um, uh, I, I think it's also pretty good against all the graveyard decks. So I, I have, like, main deck Scavenging uses, I board into Tornwhats Crips. It, it handles all the graveyard decks pretty well. And um, I, I think it just had an issue with the, the blue-white Snapcaster list because they play eight Swords Effects and they have four Snapcasters. And that's, you know, today just couldn't prevail, you know, so. Right on. Um,
1: so Green Sun Zenith is in the Green White Maverick deck, right? Um, so it's four of them, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you, how you feel about that card? Because I personally think that the card is a little unfair. Like, I don't know. Like it's a, I mean, it's a tutor. It's just kind of one of those things that, like... Re- I, and I've heard, like, interesting points on both sides of the argument. You know, I mean, like, in terms of, like, being a tutor effect, it's a really powerful tutor effect. Um, and, like, playing against it, I get I get real frustrated just because it's, like, I was playing against... Uh, uh, what was it? The Elf Combo. Mm-hmm. Right, and no, that's what I, everybody wanted. So he's like, yeah, so he, I was just like, he's like, Heritage Druid. And I go, I have the counterspell. You know what I mean? Like, And then he's like, Heritage Druid. I had another counterspell. And he just goes, Green doesn't either for Heritage Druid. I'm like, well, that's just like, well, no. You know, it, it just doesn't seem very fair to me. Um, <laughs> but then the other side of the coin is that um, a lot of people think that it's a good card because it allows Green to be really powerful in yes, Legacy. And, uh, you know, if the card wasn't around, then, like, you know, Blue would be just so much more powerful in Legacy. I mean,
0: what do you think about? I think it? I think that's I think that statement is correct. Um, if like it gives green decks a lot of versatility, so I think like if you had a linear strategy with uh, the current green, like the old green decks, so like like zoo and stuff like that. I mean, it's a pretty good like it's a pretty straight strategy. You know, you kill the guys, you resolve your threats, and you beat them down, right? So there's no there's no chance for the green deck to have any flexibility. So now you can have main deck hate. So uh, the biggest the you know the best thing to target in my opinion in my deck is the team. Mm. because if you have I mean having that game one like originally you had to play like three of them or something to to have a good chance of drawing them now you can draw any of your zeniths or him by himself and you have access to that kind of stuff so it gave Green a lot of flexibility, and especially in this meta game where blue is, in, in, I think, I think incredibly overpowered. You know, you know brainstorm, snapcaster, you had mental misstep just a couple of months ago. All those access to those powerful cards, you need green to step up. So I can, I can, I can see people's sentiments. I think it's pretty strong in modern. Like that, that is one banning that I was up in the air about, and then I understood because in modern there's not a lot of chances to interact. You know, there's no will, there's no days. So the green decks, you know, as long as as long as the blue-white deck or the control deck has to keep committing resources to doing what. They're like, advancing their game state. The yeah. green deck is open to do whatever they want. So it's a lot more different in modern, where you know there's a lot there's a lot more free reign with with the with the aggro decks. So in legacy, at least, there's a way to control it and to, and to suppress it. So that, I think that's fun.
1: Yeah, and you know, honestly, like you know, I. I, I personally just hate the elf combo deck yeah. I just hate combo decks when I'm sitting there watching someone play a, cards
0: Elves is a very interesting tribe I think uh, they're definitely a dark horse like I, I, my friend Riley Curran who uh, he taught me in Nashville with his build of elves I mean with, with Zenith in that deck I mean survival was already pretty broken but Zenith kind of you know brought it back up to level because he had the tutor for pretty much whatever he wanted and that's I mean you were saying earlier the Herod's Druid thing so every every creature in your deck if you run four it's, it's eight copies of it you know if you run right. three it's seven whatever so I mean I, that's definitely one of one thing that, I mean, it can get annoying playing against those green decks, but, I mean, that's that's what gives green the resiliency to to, to fight through that counter magic, to fight through the removal, that kind of stuff.
1: Right, and I, 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 I think I've come on board, like, with, 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 with green Sun Zenith in Legacy, um, after, like, initially lashing out about it. I think I was just a little salty about having to play against Elf Combo and, like, having, like, being able to answer it as much as I possibly could. I was like, I just countered, like, everything in their deck, and then they just played... Everything else, I was like, "Come on!" Like, so I think I was a little salty about that. But like, um, but I I like. I mean, the the argument about you know green being more consistent and being able to you know hold its own against Mm -hmm. blue, it it, it works for me. Like, I like that. But um, so I guess the next question would be: um, the card obviously is standard legal currently. Um, Do you think it might be too powerful just for standard? Do you think that it it would? I mean, I'm not saying. Do you think it should be banned, do you think it would be ban-worthy,
0: perhaps? Um, well, it, it, it really depends on, like, you know, you know, as survival of the fittest was, you know, in the, in the previous Legacy format, it got better as better creatures were printed. So in Standard right now, I think it's actually it's actually got a good power level because, like, normally in Legacy, one of the most common Zena targets is the turn one dry rubber, turn one accelerant. So you don't have to play, like... Four land war elves or, or four birds, four hierarch, that kind of stuff. So you can play, you know, in the maverick deck, you have the four nobles, and then you don't have to play any more mana bugs because you have your zenith. So you actually have eight quote unquote mana bugs. But in the standard, there's not that there's not that interaction. So in standard, you're are thing for you know a, a Viridian emissary for primeval titan. All these are, are these are, are later game kind of interactions. So I think in the current standard format, having Green Sun zenith, it actually just works as a as a as a very slow tutor. So that, and that's fun. I mean, it it does give a lot of redundancy, but uh, again, there's there's no flexible hate bears that you can just get in standard. So I mean, there's like the throne, I guess, but there's no there's no crazy targets you can get like adult Eve or, or you know, I was playing a Sylvan safekeeper today as a as a hasty mother of runes. Essentially, it's green. You can tutor for it. It's awesome. So uh, there's it's sick. But, Yeah, but there's no but there's no chances for that in standard because they just they just aren't going to. You aren't going to have a standard format that's going to have, like, you know, all these utility creatures that you can just line up in Zenith for. That just doesn't happen, so. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll definitely see. But, like, right now, I think I had the Wolf Run deck, and uh, the best the best uh, utility creature to say that I had was Acidic Slime, and that's a, that's a six mana Zenith, you know. that's At that point, you don't know where your game state is. You know, you don't know if they have counter magic. You don't know what's happened on the board state. I mean, it's, it's not one of those, like, snap tutor things that you, can, that you can just do So right that makes sense um, so
1: um, I, I appreciate you coming on uh, what is your twitter handle at um, all suns dawn the best twitter name mark sun at all suns dawn on twitter mark thanks a lot yeah thanks a lot dude. take it easy man have a good uh, drive home this is big head Joe with the OMTG taps and I am here with starcitygames.com invitational open series winner and player of the year winner second year in a row Alex Bertoncini. What's up, guys? How, how you doing? <laughs> I always make fun of Medina for doing that. He always goes, what's up, guys? Guys. I'm like, who are you talking to? What if there are women listening? Like, <laughs> it's like, Hello, everybody. <laughs> so um, so congratulations, first of all. Thank you. Thank pretty you. awesome.
2: Uh, yeah, it was a, a tough tournament. I mean, it was like 300-something people, so they didn't make it easy this time. Right.
1: <laughs> um, so first of all, uh, tell us what you played in both uh, You of your deck choices, Um
2: in uh, Standard, I played uh, Blue-White Illusions that I've been playing for like uh, two weeks now. <laughs> I like, think this is the second week I played it, the second event I played it in. You're counting Merfolk, you've been
1: playing it for about two years. Yeah,
2: <laughs> right, for like, kind of, like three or four years now. Yeah, Merfolk, <laughs> Fish. Uh, and in Legacy, I played uh, Bant Blade, which I've been playing for about a month now. So basically, I wanted to play the decks because like, I only play a deck if it's, like, I feel if it's like the best deck, even if it's 51% better than everything else. Um, and then I grind it until I'm comfortable with it. So, like, I don't play test mat, play play test games. I don't moto. I just play the deck at tournaments. And then I do all the rest of the testing in my head. So sure. I just, and, I, yeah.
1: and I always feel like that's the best kind of, Like, if you're testing for yeah. opens, I feel like the best way you can really feel that pressure and feel that, like, experience is to play in the opens. Yeah, exactly. You know? You're
2: playing for money. Uh, you start playing really well. Like, it's not you don't get sloppy habits. You don't, like... If... I personally can test in my head. So, like, if I have a card that I'm thinking of, I don't actually need to play it. I can just, like, brain test it because I played so much redundant magic. Like, I have so many planes walking away. I play, I play magic every week for thousands of dollars. So, as a result, I can just, like, play test games in my head half the time. Right. So, I don't actually need to test. But some people do need to test. So, if you're one of the people that needs to test, like, actual games of magic against your friends, just do that. And, you know, like, until so you get a deck you're comfortable with and keep grinding with it. If you just keep changing it up every week, you're going to get, like, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to, like, you know... Having consistencies, which you can get out if you're just
1: playing the same deck every week. For sure. Um, so, you played Blue White Illusions in Standard, yeah. and um, that's a deck that um, doesn't really run that many illusions, but uh, yeah, sure, I think it's yeah. funny that it's called Blue White Illusions, but it doesn't really have. Has how many illusions are in the deck? Just
2: four bears and four images total. Right? So, eight
1: illusions out of eight how many illusions? creatures? Oh
2: boy, there's four Delvers, four uh, Lord of the Reels, and like three Geists total.
1: More Sorry. non-illusion creatures yes, than so illusions. Are more non-illusion
2: creatures than illusions. Yeah, yeah that's illusions. for sure. Yeah,
1: Which I think is really funny. Uh, so the white is a fairly new addition to the deck, right?
2: The white, yeah, it came around. I think Todd Anderson was the one who first put the white in it. Uh, it's there for Geist, O-Ring in the board, and most importantly, Moreland Haunt. Because Moreland Haunt's the real like mirror match breaker. And um, it's... Um, in the mirror in the mirror match and against a lot of decks like control decks, you really need moorland haunts. like they need to bring in like like uh, ghost quarters and like ways of dealing with moorland haunt itself. Um, so after board you have four moorland haunts in the deck. So that's kind of rough on the mana. But you just have the second color basically for that card. And things like Geist and O-Ring come as, like, you know...
1: Yeah, Geist is a really strong card. Um, yeah. John Medina was playing it in Legacy today.
2: Yeah, I saw some people playing in Legacy. Some people took my Bant list from it Legacy and added... Uh, that's exactly what he fun. did. Yeah.
1: He took he took your Bant list. And as I said, he started with your Bant list and he added the Geist. Yeah. And he added two more paths, I think. Yeah. Or something like Yeah, two yeah, more Yeah, another paths. path.
2: Uh, there's... Through, well, in the main deck, you mean? Something. I don't know. He said, yeah, you need, you need more removal if you're going to play the Geist in the main. You need to actually get rid of their creature, like, make sure they don't have anything, because if they block it with a Tarmogoy, you just want to, like, you know, kill yourself. So.
1: Right, right, <laughs> right. Um, so uh, were you expecting a lot of hate for the deck today? I mean, how resilient was is the deck, deck, deck illusions? for Illusions?
2: Um, the deck... The, the hate is just generally like is just very broad like this Day of Judgment is good against it Time the Reinforcements Arc Trail Slag Storm, Slag Storm Whip flat. Whip Flare like anything like all those cards are good Resolved Worm Quail Engine Elish Norn like there's a, there's a lot of good cards against the deck but there's no like you know there's no like one man destroy all blue creatures in play you know there's nothing like that so as far as hate goes it's just the generic um, cards that people are playing and in which case you have your own ways of dealing with it like you know I have Flash Freezes and Negate I have for those cards. I have you know, O Ring for Worm Coil and Elishnorn and stuff like that. So I have pretty much a game there. The interesting card I saw was uh, this weekend was Pristine Talisman. And that card oh, wow. going going forward, that card's gonna be uh probably pretty big in standard. That's so awesome. We're gonna have to figure out some way to beat that card.
1: <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so. Um what do you think like today I mean you played a lot of matches do you remember uh, a particular match that was like your toughest match or like maybe like your favorite match on today Did, or that was in the tournament Sure I mean if, if there was one yeah, yesterday it was Trump Yeah
2: there was one that was really close I played against uh it was round 1 of standard so like after like, the four rounds of legacy mm-hmm. the first round of standard I played against grixis control with illusions and people think it's a good matchup for illusions everyone told me this but i personally think it's really close because they have like galvanic blasts and olivia and the Illusions that cannot be to resolve olivia no matter what happens mm. you have to like image it to death or like do something you can't beat it with a whole army you just can't beat olivia so like it, they have that card like they usually have three of that card they have slag storm galvanic blast all these cards are, it's just a problem I, I think it's a bad matchup for me the doom blades So, um, and basically all three games I played against the guy were really, really, really close. And I felt like I should have lost all three of them, but I somehow managed to win two of them. Like, it was just, it was like a really close match the whole time. I I didn't know I was going to win until he actually shook my hand. Like, good games. Like, I didn't know I was winning. I thought I was just going (laughs) to lose. Yeah. So it was like, it was really close. like, Like, the last two turns, he Desperate Ravings once a turn. And he had three cards in his hand afterwards, and he just needed to not hit one of them. And I hit the one that he needed each time. So like I had a 33% chance to lose, and I had another 33% chance to lose, oh, and like, uh, like it was just,
1: it was close. That's intense. Um, I was playing Desperate Ravings in the deck that I played this weekend, and yeah. uh, a card that I've been looking at um, and put two in the deck to try it. Um, the deck I was playing didn't do. I don't really like talk about it too much because I'm going to talk more about the deck yeah. I played in a separate segment. But um, I was running Two Noxious Revivals. Okay. Because like, even Noxious Revival in your hand. And you play a Desperate Ravings, and you got Snapcaster in the deck. Yeah.
2: You're good. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, you know, because not a good card. if you
1: discard like your Frost Titan, I was wondering Frost Titan. If sweet. you discard Frost Titan, you can Noxious it back well, or well, anything you in your. Yeah, it's always good,
2: like it especially late game if your graveyard's stacked or something. Right, something and back, if you but, yeah. lose,
1: if you lose the Noxious, you can Snapcaster if you need to cast it. That's later. pretty interesting.
2: It's an interesting addition. Yeah, so it's like something
1: it. that we're that we're uh, toying, toying with. with yeah. um, the, the deck I played this one, I didn't have enough threats. Uh, it was, like, four total threats, and I just felt, like, like so... Like, I was doing nothing, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm also more of a red deck player, so I'm, like, used to just smashing people in the face or losing in five mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. And, yeah, like... Sure. Uh, so I don't know if I was... Re- I, don't, I don't think I'm really up to task to playing a deck like that. It's just pretty... It was, like, rug control is basically what I played yeah. in standard. Um, but... No, I don't remember. I, no, I wasn't. I wasn't actually leading into a question with that. I was just kind of telling yeah, no, you for sure. uh, <laughs> about um, your deck. That's pretty sweet, though. Yeah, it, it was a cool deck. Um, I mean, we're gonna work on it some more. My buddy built it, mm-hmm. um, and I liked it. I was. We were hanging out Thursday. I was gonna mm-hmm. play red, and I saw his deck. I was like, I'm gonna play your deck. I'm gonna play your deck in the Invitational. Give me it. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, funny. why not? He was like, oh, that's so cool, you know. And then I did terrible with it, but oh, oh well. Yeah. At least you had fun. Yeah, sure, I, yeah, I had a really good. Like this weekend was just awesome in terms of like. Cool opponents Like even in the Invitational we so much more On the line Everyone was real Laid back and chill And yeah, friendly like, And really like talking And like You know like yeah. I, I, I hate when, I, when you Play against a guy Who just gets just real Wall yeah. you know, Wall exactly Yeah just blank yeah. You know on their no, Everyone face. was
2: pretty like, I mean I knew Most people in there But everyone was Pretty you know Cordial and just Good opponents overall Yeah so.
1: I thought so too It was just It was a good time I agree Lord knows how I was allowed to play in it But that's okay <laughs> That's okay enough. We have our perks once in a while, for sure. Um, for sure. So I didn't know you. I, I was asking you to take pictures just for me uh, yeah. with your your spoils of war, as it were. And I didn't even know you win a set of Power Nine for Player of the Year.
2: Yeah, it's the title plus some, you know, dough. It's pretty sweet. That
1: is sick.
2: Um, yeah,
1: do it you, is. Do you do you own Power Nine? Yeah, well? so you have it in it. the cube, right? Yeah, I had it from last
2: year. So then, won, then, yeah, that's where they went. Yeah, the the, the the place from last year went right in the cube, and the places from this year is going in a different cube. Oh, so, cool! So yeah, so we to hold it. Power, cube. power always goes up, so I'm just gonna, it always appreciates some value. It's like a slow stock. Right. So yeah, so no, I, I just, wasn't sure if you're going to build a vintage deck. You know, yeah, or I can do that too. Now. now I can do both a cube and a vintage deck. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, two sets of power out of nowhere, like virtually for free, because it's what I would have been doing anyway. It's right. Like you know, icing on the cake. Yeah,
1: it's icing on the cake. It's for pretty sure. sweet. I, I, I was I was blown away when I saw that. I was like, oh my god, he has set a power nine there. Wow that too like good weekend for yeah, you it was a pretty good weekend and I know yeah. you know I know we talked a few months back and like you were kind of having some like you know some doubts about continuing on and, and grinding but yeah. it seems like those as long
2: as you have the once in a while big caches like in know early in the year of the TCG tournament I made like six grand of that one yeah. so I was like you know that kept me going for the second half of the year where I now i cashed in for like you know like 12 grand this weekend total with the power nine and everything so it's yeah. like yeah, maybe like eleven or twelve. So like that's those are the kind of cash that I need. Like as soon as those stop, though, like that's when I yeah. start reconsidering. Or maybe it's like the secret reconsidering of it that keeps me going. Like oh, I don't really want to quit. I need to do well. Yeah, they did well. now I have to quit. Like, <laughs> but sometimes it gets grindy. I play a lot of magic, and it's always for a lot of money. So like eventually, it does wear down on you when you like lose a win and in. And then next week, you lose another win in Like, I think when we talked, I had lost six ins in a row. Oh, four wow. open events, I lost a win in and then two GPs. I lost two GP top eight win-in-ins. Ugh. And just, those were just, like, I just couldn't deal with it. So, like, at that point, I was, like, really, like, questioning. Not to mention, you're also not like not making that much money. Like, when I lose win you're not losing, like, just the top eight. You're losing a lot of money when you lose, like, you know, that close. So right. it can get kind of, like, frustrating. But, you know, I stuck through it in the end.
1: Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, oddly enough, mm. uh, and I know that this has been a pretty, like heated topic, um, Mm -hmm. online. Um, the day we recorded that podcast, like the last time you were on the show, Mm -hmm. I got off the Skype call with you and literally went on Twitter and like 30 minutes before I went on Twitter, Drew Levin had posted stuff accusing you of cheating. Right. And, um, and I think I actually even texted you, like, do you want to get back on Skype and talk yeah. about this? And you're like, no, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like, like it is what it is. Um, but recently, you know that the the rhetoric has heated up, and like, yeah. and it's gotten a little more intense. Um, and there are lots of people who are like, you know. Speculating on things online, you know how you know how the internet gets it gets yeah, out of control of course, real yes. fast. I mean, Twitter. Everybody is,
2: likes a witch hunt. Everybody likes a drama. Everyone likes all that stuff. Right.
1: So, um, so I, I mean, I just wanted to like give you an opportunity to address that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not. Yeah. Gonna, I don't want to. I don't want to rehash like every damn instance that's been brought up. You know what I mean? But of I just kind of want to ask you about it in general. Like, I mean, first of all, I mean, how does it feel to have someone like? Well, like kind I of mean, bringing that sort of stuff Drew at you ha-
2: is very. Me and Drew have uh, personal issues between ourselves, so me and Drew have not got along on a level not related to magic. So people who are blindly following what he says as if it's like you know the gospel, and you know as if he's trying to do this like higher up thing and like clean the game up, are being misled. Is basically all I have to say about it. He. Is using, you know, the timing on it, you know, right before the Invitational and, like, the Player of the Year stuff and all that stuff is just a personal attack. If you review the videos, which, mind you, are over a year old, have already been reviewed by the DCI. These aren't, like, you know, like, whoa, scandal. These videos have been seen by the DCI. If the DCI's verdict was guilty, wouldn't I, wouldn't be sitting, I wouldn't be sitting here right now talking to you. Right. So the DCI's verdict is clearly, like, either they're investigating more i don't know they don't tell me anything i right. don't, i it's they're probably investigating more or have you know deemed it maybe what it was mistakes um carelessness you know i mean for every one video of me that is uh, a you know, a misplay in my favor. I'm sure there's another one of somebody else getting away with something. There been people but people aren't looking for that. Exactly, and I don't believe any of my opponents are cheating against me. But the thing is that at the end of the day, judges have to discern whether something is intent, intentional or not. And I play a lot of magic, and I play under the camera more. I'd say more than almost any other player in the world, including right. people like Louis Scott Vargas and Owen Turnbull. I think I literally play on the camera more than them.
1: I would say that's a safe and,
2: assumption. Yeah, I mean, I have like. Almost 3,500 Planeswalker points I could queue two people for the Pro Tour (laughs) So, needless to say, I play a lot of Magic So, if you take the number of games Where I've quote-unquote Cheated, which is what I can When I do it, it is not intentional I assure you If you take that compared to the number of games that have gone, you know Incident-free, it's probably about a normal ratio to a normal Magic player, like Jerry Thompson, who this weekend did some, quote-unquote, you know, something with, I saw, I didn't see it, but on camera, apparently, he tapped a shimmering grotto twice in a turn. I have no idea what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know, but that's what happened. I can assure you right now, Jerry Thompson isn't a cheater. Jerry went to find the judge himself, because, like, like he saw Twitter blow up. Yeah, of course. So, you know, like, I mean, people just love drama, so... I really have no words to say to people who accuse me of cheating because at the end of the day, I know I don't cheat. So I have faith in the DCI and the judges and the system as a whole to, you know, see it from that angle because I have nothing to hide. Right. I'm not intentionally going on camera and playing extra lands or forgetting to put two cards back with Brainstorm intentionally. Yeah, you, you can't hide... Under yeah. the camera, really, it's, and it's, it's like a, it's, it's <laughs> always going to be there forever. Right. And it's not like you know, ten or fifteen people are seeing it. There are hundreds, hundreds, if not thousands, of people that see it. Right. Over the course of its internet life. So.
1: Sure. I mean, and now I mean, like in the Invitational, mm-hmm. I think it was in round six. Yeah. I I I I, uh, I must have think twice to something. Did something yeah. else. Didn't drop a land. Pass a turn and a turn at like desperate ravings, mm-hmm. and then I'm like. He's like, so he's, like, he's getting a dice. He's like, so what number do we roll? And I'm like, 10? Uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah. how is that possible? I mean, like, you know, but, like, the difference is, I would say, in terms of game, game in t- terms of playing the game, I'm nobody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, sure, sure, you, sure. you can't agree with me. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm literally, I'm I'm literally yeah. nobody <laughs> when it comes to playing the game, you know? Sure. So. That doesn't get covered. You know what I mean? Of course, I yeah. totally did that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 I just didn't I, didn't discard. And I had eight cards did, in if hand. If you did that a at turn. two
2: more events, it still wouldn't be... If you did that, let's say, two more times, like accidentally... Or like with that different cards. If you did that at two more events, no, it still wouldn't be a thing, oh, J- Big Head Joe got called three times in three tournaments on having eight cards in his hand. Like that's not the headline news.
1: <laughs> right. So, you know, I mean, like yeah. I mean, I guess when the spotlight's bigger, yeah. obviously the scrutiny, scrutiny is gonna be great. Exactly, greater. correct. And so I mean like that's something that like I think people fail to recognize. Yeah. You know, and I'm not and I'm not sitting here like just blindly like siding with you here. You yeah. know what I mean? But I understand the fact yeah, that of you're, we're human you're doing and we this, make errors. You very
2: inter- you're, you interact a lot with the media and the the you know the social aspect, Twitter, Facebook. You're very active with that, so I'm sure you know how things can get blown up or downsized, respectively. You know, I just want people to know out there that to understand that Drew's intention is not to clean up the game or to rid or the world of cheaters or to make them known. His intent is clearly a personal. Vendetta towards me, and he picks a good time to do it. So, if you're blindly following him around, power to you. You can watch the videos, make your own judgment. Power to you. But at the end of the day, it's you're not going to get an acknowledgement out of me for it.
1: So, sure. Um, so, I mean, is there anything? Um, so, oh, well, I guess I have one more question for you. Sure. How do you plan on celebrating tonight?
2: Celebrating tonight? Uh, I don't know. Maybe people are going out tonight, drinking. I'm not sure. I mean, I did church turn twenty-one like late this year? So. I haven't actually celebrated with a trophy yet since nice. I turned 21. So. Nice.
1: Well, this is good. It's, it's the it's we'll best one I you can take.
2: Still, first round will be on me, of course. You know, hopefully so.
1: two at least. Maybe we'll <laughs>
2: see how many people it is. So, yeah, two or three. of My friends, five. It's like 20 people. I don't
1: know. <laughs> I heard Alex buying the first round. Alex <laughs>
2: buying the second round.
1: <laughs> Everyone like shows up. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be um, funny. Alex, thanks for taking some time with me. You know, congratulations again. you, man. Yeah, Good luck. Take it easy, man. Big Head Joe here, YoMTG Taps, and I'm joined by two very special guests. I am joined by none other than Rich Hagon. Hello. And, Hello. And Paulo Vitor Damo de Rosa.
3: Hello, this is Paulo.
4: How are you? So, um, what podcast is this for exactly?
1: Uh, this is for YoMTG Taps.
4: Okay, that's great. Now, what we're going to do is something very special. We're going to do um, uh, Deck Tech with uh, Paulo Vitor Damo de Rosa and we're going to discuss his combination deck that he's, uh, that he's assembled for this tournament, which is the StarCityGames.com Invitational Top 8 Championship. So this is just a collection of all the top eights of all the invitationals and this is the best players from that. So this is Polo Vitor da and he's going to talk about his combo deck. Paolo, I'll let you take it away. What is the combo deck you're playing today?
3: Okay, well this is a laboratory maniac deck and you use a leveler to remove your library and with the Laboratory Maniac I can play when you draw a card you win the game instead. So it's very good because it's a two card combo so it's very easy to assemble.
4: Now you have some very interesting card combinations in this deck so talk to me about for example why do you play Evil Eye of Orms by goal? I,
3: I do not play that card. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about Arch Hagan.
4: I don't know why you tried to discredit me like that Polo Vitor damage on the stack. Um, Now, what I want to ask you is about this card here, Tropical Island. What function does that serve in the deck?
3: It's a land, so it taps for mana, I guess, or something.
4: Great, and and what would you say is the linchpin card in this deck here?
3: Uh, It's the Laboratory Maniac and the Leveler. You see, they work together, and you play the Laboratory Maniac, and then you play the leveler, and then you remove your library, and then you draw, and then you win the game. And it's really cool. It's much better than the aggro decks because I do not like play at the aggro decks uh, because you have to attack in things, and it's for how you say in the Portuguese the dumb people. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's that's quite hysterical. Now, Palo Vitor Damo, Day of Judgment. Let me ask you this: um, this card, uh, you have apparently have one loss today, and that is to a trick bind. Um, how did, how exactly did that happen?
3: I he did not Trickbind uh, the card. I don't know what you're talking. Um, but I did lose to an aggro deck, and I was kind of a f- frustrated about that because he just got so lucky against me, and even though I passed the turn with uh, with me dead on board, but, uh, that, um, yeah, it was kind of embarrassing to tell you the truth.
4: Now, Paolo, let me ask you a question. Um, what do you do after a round uh, where you've had a loss to keep yourself from going on what Magic players call Live Tilt?
3: Uh, well, I have a lot of great friends from the channel Fireball.com. And I talk to them like uh, Luis Scott Vargas, or how we say uh, LSV, or LSV. That's how I say it in, the, in the, the Brazil. But, uh, and also, uh, David Ochoa, well, he kind of looks like a robot to me, and a lot of other people.
4: Now, let me ask you a question. As Brazil is a third world country, do you have robots in that country? And we have
3: a kind of a robot, but it's made out of wood.
4: <laughs> That's very interesting. Tell me more about this wooden robot. Well, it has uh, wheels and... <laughs> now, from what you've told me, Paolo... <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> you've explained to me that this wooden robot works... <laughs> <laughs> by uh, there are there are um, is it is it capybaras that are inside of the robot chasing after bread?
3: There is the chupacabra in the robot, and I uh, having a really hard time not to break character right now, Rich. Um, breaking the breaking the third wall, as we say.
4: Now in England and as well as in the states, we call that the fourth wall. No one wants to break the third wall.
3: You see, in Brazil we only have two walls, so so breaking the third wall, as you see, you understand now.
4: Oh, that actually makes a lot more sense because Brazil is a third world country. Now, what province in Brazil are you from? I am from uh, Sao Paulo,
3: where we have a lot of nude beaches. And there are the wonderful uh, men on the beaches wearing the Speedo. And uh, I sometimes wear Speedo, too. To uh, how you say, uh, show off my stuff
4: now. Now, let me ask you this it's my understanding that when you're at the beach, you wear a Speedo trying to tan your cheeks. Is that correct? That is correct, Rich. That's that's great, that's great. And from also what I understand is that you're out of control and that you wear these animal print pants, which you have on, because that's how you roll. That was backwards. I,
3: I don't know if that was really the right thing to say, uh, but I like the fluorescent colors more than the animal
4: print. And, and what attracts you to these fluorescent colors?
3: I, I just think they are, like, the better pick, in my opinion. Because, you know, I compared the two picks, uh, like, in my draft videos on the channel Fireball.com, and I thought about it, and I think yeah, the fluorescent colors are the way to go.
4: And which of the fluorescent colors is your favorite color?
3: I don't understand why you keep asking me questions about the Speedos.
4: It's kind of weird or something. I very much enjoy the autistic form of the male figure, and I feel like you might be a very attractive man I'd like to draw you. I feel a little
3: uncomfortable right
4: now. That's okay. This is all very legal in the States and in the UK. Now, let me ask you this, Paolo. The rest of Team CFB is apparently playing this deck. What were their records on the day?
3: Uh, well, LSV is undefeated, as usual. You could give him a dead rabbit, and he would win with it. And uh, David O. is is and 2 And he said, uh, danger, danger, Will Robinson, I am X and two, earlier. Um, And Conley Woods decided that Laboratory Maniac Leveler deck was uh, too good for him.
4: (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Paolo. And now, now, it's my understanding that Matt Nass is actually playing a separate combo deck entirely, featuring Laboratory Maniac... ...and leveler. (laughs) (laughs) What is the technology behind his deck?
3: I... You're not comprende, por favor.
4: (laughs) Now, is it true that you don't speak Spanish in Brazil, but in fact speak Portuguese?
3: Actually, I speak uh, Portuguese and Spanish and English. English is actually my third language... Uh, So don't make fun of me, okay, just because you are from England.
4: (laughs) Well, I, I of course, wouldn't do that. That wouldn't be proper, and that wouldn't be the Queen's English. Now, let me ask you this one last question before we let you go. Paolo, Vitor, Dammit Rosewater. The question is, what is your prediction for this top eight?
3: I think there will not be many aggro decks, and there will be a lot of leveler uh, laboratory maniac decks, because uh, the Channel Fireball is uh, trying to dominate, and we're going to win in this great, I think.
4: (laughs) Well, congratulations. And what do you call this deck?
3: It's the Laboratory Maniac uh, Leveler Combo Channel Fireball Excelente.
4: Well, that's a great name. I'd like to wish you luck. Uh, Again, this is Rich Hagan here with Big Big Head Joe from Yo! MTG Taps and with Paolo Vitor Dama Daybreak Ranger. Thank you very much, and as always, shuffle your cards so you don't get to game loss. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Rich. Uh, Signing off. uh, Adios.